You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Welcome back, Hawk Talk. Happy to be with you as we motor through here in the summer. And Greg, it's kind of already pretty crazy to think. You know, we're already into obviously after Memorial Day in the middle of the summer now, and sports coming. You know, have come to a halt on campus now as everyone kind of turns our attention to the next chapter here in, in the Colonial Athletic Association, July one. But how you doing, man? How's everything going? Everything is is going really well. Um, really uh, enjoy what's going on here. You know, we do get a little bit of a break and play some golf soon and uh, get some time to, to relax and recharge the batteries in, in, in June and July and then kind of turn back and crank it all back up uh, in um, in August as we get ready for our first foray into the Colonial Athletic Association. And uh, that first team back will be football. They'll come to, to camp early August and We'll get ready for that home opener against uh, UNH, or not, excuse me, a road opener against UNH up there in um, in New Hampshire. Yeah, the the road and the CAA opener, and because of the way schedules work out, it just worked out that Mammoth's first game this season <laughs> is their first game as a CAA member, which well, is pretty it was cool. supposed to be a non conference game. Full disclosure, we we were playing them no matter what league we're in in the first game of the season. Um, but uh, just worked out weird that we ended up joining the league after the contract was signed. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Seriously. <laughs> so that'll be something that we look forward to. You know, the the last time that we were able to to speak to everybody, and and we appreciate everyone that you know listens, follows, and subscribes to Hawk Talk. Um, we had Aaliyah Moore on. We had our golf outing the Monday after that. Mm-hmm. Another great event. Aaliyah spoke and, and was just phenomenal. Um, phenomenal. But now those events, you know, for the most part, officially have kind of quieted. There'll be some smaller events, some, some smaller marketing events that happen throughout the summer. You'll have a chance to meet student athletes and coaches at various, you know, events and functions, smaller things in the local area. But it's pretty appropriate that Greg brought up that football is indeed the first sport Um, That will report back getting ready for this upcoming fall because that's where we begin our conversation with our guest today. And we're so happy to welcome in Darnell Leslie uh, to this episode of Hawk Talk, uh, former Monmouth football great. Darnell has gone on to do great things since leaving Monmouth, and we're going to catch up with him about uh, literally all of that now. And, And Darnell, we're happy to bring you in, happy to have you along. How's everything been? How are you? Good. Eddie and Greg, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to just come back and and talk and and kind of catch up with you guys for, you know, the last few months and years that I've been away from the school. So, again, pleasure for having me on. We appreciate the the time, and and we know once you get into the professional world, it's obviously, um, you know, your your time management as a student athlete is really a skill that you need to you know take and move forward because we know how busy everyone is. But you know, Darnell, we're so happy to catch up not just about your career at Monmouth, about your career after Monmouth, about everything and all the great work that you're doing now. But you know, I'm curious to get the alums take right when you look back and and you see now that the team that you you know, were such a great player for and that you helped lead to so many wins uh, as a member of the Big South. Now seeing your, you know, alums get a chance or, or you know, you're the program you left, get a chance in the CAA. What does it mean to you to be part of that lineage of Monmouth football tradition that has now enabled the program to get to this point? Man, it's awesome. Um, it is a, a large sense of pride, a small hint of jealousy, um, but overall <laughs> just 
a lot a lot of just happiness for the program and what it's been through and, and where we've come from when I joined in 2012 uh, to see where we are now in 2022, man, that 10-year gap has really just been exponential for moms. When we started out, when I was there, we were exiting out of uh, the NEC and then we got into independent league for a year then we transitioned into Big South. Kind of got tossed around a little bit, but then we got our feet under us and we, we started to manhandle people in the Big South. Which is why now we're at the CAA level, which is so good to see. Um, again, but, you know, just ultimate pride for this program. Um, and I wish I could go back and, and do it all over again, honestly. Well, I think if, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't want to speak for Coach Callahan, but, you know, Greg, I'm not sure how the compliance rules go, but if Darnell wants to flip on the number two jersey and, you know, be a terror off the edge, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we, we saw him at, a, at an alumni event about a month ago, and he still looks like he's in really good shape. Got, got a little smaller. Got a little smaller. He's not. He's not the the beast that I think he once was. But uh, Darnell Greg said that, not me. That was all <laughs> Greg. <laughs> but he still looks in, in phenomenal shape, as you would expect of a of a ex um, student athlete. And, and honestly, I, you know, when our student athletes come back, like they're it's it's really they carry that that I think nutrition and mindset and health on for, for the majority of them for the you know the rest of their lives. Now, at some point, you get married, you have kids, and things get in the way, and you know, that might change, but I, I would say most right. of our younger alums are, are still look like they can get on the field for us. And that's awesome. Well, and Darnell was able to, you know, obviously, and, and it's part of our conversation now, right. Stay on the field after Monmouth, which is, you know, something we'll talk about with, with some of the, you know, Hawks now that are doing some, some really good things in the professional ranks. But, you know, Darnell, it's funny what you bring up, you know, in, in, I thought the point that you made is an interesting one, and I'm sure it's shared by many of your, uh, you know, classmates and teammates. But but that idea of maybe being a little jealous about the CAA, and I just want to, you know, kind of follow up to that. And and when you look now at the overall picture of things, just where Mammoth Athletics, where the Mammoth football program that you left is now, um, because of things like the CAA, because of all of the different things, do you take some pride in? And because Greg and I hope you do take some pride in knowing that you were part of a group that helped lay the foundation for that and how that makes you feel. 100%. Um, like I said before, it's mainly pride only because I do understand that I was part of that transition with Mammoth football. Coming in in 2012, if you look at the senior classes that came before me and even after I left, guys were just more and more and more and more and more bought in. Every offseason, every winter conditioning, every spring ball, every season, you could just see the transition from when I was a freshman to when I became a senior. And then even when after I left, you could see that same transition in mentality and, and grit and you know just respect and love for the program itself even after I left. So to see these guys now go to where they are, I already, I already understand and know that Everybody's bought in. Everybody has the commitment that they need to make the step in the CAA what it needs to be to make us great. What? How big of a transition was it in a mindset for for you guys playing on that team, starting out in the NEC, and then you know your senior season was our first year uh, in in the Big South, which was a huge step um, in itself. Talk about that transition a little bit, and 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 were you guys like, oh man, like. I remember personally walking down on the field when we played Presbyterian in that first game in 2016 and looking at their D linemen and I, and just thinking to myself, I don't know if we faced D line. We certainly hadn't faced D linemen in conference that looked like that, but, but really in, in overall that just giant dudes. Yeah. So besides just talent, just also just their mindset as well. The grid of the game was different the speed and intensity of the game was different, just going from different levels of NCAA within the 1AA, sorry. Uh, but that transition, it was it was good. I think 
you know, for me personally, it it challenged me in an obvious way where I had to come to the field with, you know, more than just my speed. I had to now be stronger. I had to now be smarter in terms of my football IQ. I now had to think, you know, more in depth on how to play the edge, right? I couldn't just run past the tackle anymore because now these teams, they're obviously a little better coach. They got maybe a little better talent, bigger talent, faster talent. So you have to kind of bring in every tangible skill that you can to football when you're going through those ranks. So I think that's exactly how it translated when we went from NEC to independent to Big South. You saw that progression in talent. You saw that progression in the mental IQ of the players. You saw that progression in just the, the, the toughness of the team that we played. Well, is there one one game, that one place that you played that really kind of sticks out? I was just looking through some old picks and stuff, and um, there were a couple really, really fun games in, in that four, you know 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 um, years. Uh, is there one that kind of sticks out to you that uh, – you know, a game that we played that you, you still think about or talk about? Um, so besides when I got my pick against Columbia, people think it was a fumble recovery. Well, I it, it was a pick. pick. It was a it sack. Was a pick. Thank you. It was a sack. It was a tackle for the – It was no, it was actually a sack and an interception in one play. Yeah. Yeah. So besides that game in Columbia, I'd say all the games at Liberty, like you guys remember, that atmosphere was just Crazy. freaking incredible. And crazy to play in. And even when we thought that we were the underdogs, we came in feeling better than that because of just what the environment and the atmosphere brought to the game itself. Um, so I would say, again, any Liberty game that we played at, really, I mean, Coastal Carolina, those are also big games. I'm a big guy that likes to feel the fan and feel the um, the atmosphere of the game. So when the fans are in it and when there's a lot of people yelling and screaming and cheering and talking trash, that's when I play my best personally. So any game where, you know, we had, Attendance that was out the roof, and it was just a night game. Lights were on us. Um, those are all the games that I, I felt best in. Those wild fireworks that they laid off when they scored. These giant cannons, all that, yeah. Cannons, <laughs> tubes of fireworks. I think it's a great point that Darnell brings up because not just for the players and on the field and the coaches, but even for for us to to see that that's where Mammoth football was headed. You know, that is now yeah. kind of the the norm for a road game. I think it was eye-opening back in 2016, like Darnell mentioned, and even now, you know, you know, and Darnell, you played in some great non-conference games too, but, you know, Greg, when we go to these places and see that, like, it is eye-opening to see, you know what, Northeast Conference football was great for what, what Monmouth was then, but Darnell, I think, could speak to a really special perspective of that transition that you and I were here for, but some of those games, yeah, we when you get to the game, and and you know you need to have someone escort you to the press box. That's when you know it's a pretty it's a pretty big venue. <laughs> and and oh, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to see another. You know, just talking with some of the other ticket people and you know external affairs folks in in the CAA. I think we're going to see that jump again because it, as much as I love the Big South and I do, and I'm unabashed and I love the guys there. I love the teams there. I think they did a great job for us. You know, obviously we we won a couple championships. Went to uh, you know a couple you know three NCAA's as a part of them. Um, I think you're going to see another step up in atmosphere, Delaware, Villanova, you know, e- even Albany brought in 8,000 people last time we played there. Maine's going to, you know, they're redoing all their facilities. They're going to have a nice, a nice group when we go up there. So I think we're going to see another evolution of, of kind of that environment that Darnell was speaking of when we go to these, these road games this year. And, and we have two great ones of Villanova and, Del- and Delaware. So Dardell, when when you kind of, and you just 
took us through your perspective of what, and kind of, you know, Greg asked the great question with what the differences were in the Big South and how you had to physically and mentally kind of prepare for that. So, so now we'll make you put the kind of the, the coach slash kind of scout hat on. And if you're talking to the current group of Monmouth football players, let's say you come back, right, and, and you talk to the alums, what would be kind of your advice as someone who did the personal experience thing, taking mama through a transition, what would be kind of your key advice that you would give to them as they now look to make that next step into the CAA? Um, I just say buy in right early on. Don't wait to fill it out. You know, buy in. You're part of a great program now that's made the steps through the ranks throughout the last decade. The proof is in the pudding, right? The coaches know what they're doing. The scouts know what they're doing. The media teams knows, knows what they're doing. And your teammates know what they're doing. So buy in, trust the process, and just give it your all because that's one thing that I – that's the one – I wouldn't even say it's a regret, but that's the one thing I wish I had done more of when I was a younger kid on the team. Right, as a freshman coming in, you know, I'm feeling my way, my step, feeling my way around, trying to see, you know, where I fit in, which is natural, right? But it wasn't really as much um, commitment as I, I probably should have given the team or should have given the off-season training, right? So just doing that early on can make a, a leap of, of difference in your career long-term, not just for you as a player, but as a team. Nice. Uh, speaking of that, do, I mean, obviously you come from Quince Orch, you know, QO. You're down there in Maryland. We do a lot of recruiting in Maryland. Um, you came in, you know, you, you had some teammates from QO with you. Uh, you still talk to these guys? I mean, I know the answer because we're friends on, on social media, but you still obviously, you know, Strange and and, and Matt Choi and, and all those guys. Uh, you still guys chat about Monmouth football? You still get together, watch some Monmouth football? How close are you, you still with the guys that you played with? Yeah, we're all very close, especially my guys that I graduated with in uh, 2016, 2017. Um, and especially the guys from QO, even the younger guys like Kieran um, and a couple of the other guys as well from the Moco area. But, yeah, we're all very close still. We stay in touch pretty much weekly or monthly. Um we don't really get to get together and watch many Monmouth games just because we're all doing our own thing. But um, we have made an effort to try to get up to the school for a homecoming or at least a, a preseason or, or a spring ball game if we can. But, um, but yeah, the, some of those relationships that I have from college are the best relationships and most genuine relationships that I was able to develop and grow just based on what we've been through, right? You, you bleed, sweat, and you cry with those guys after games or in practices and, and through workouts. So it's just natural that we kind of stayed in touch, and, I, and I'm glad for it, and I'm grateful for all you know, and Darnell, we talked a lot already about you and helping take this program through a transition. But I think let's even take a step back further. You know, when when you were coming up, it was when this football program really developed a strong recruiting tie and hold in that area, right? In in the DMV area. And, you know, when you look back and you see that, you know, some of the, the guys that you mentioned that not only you had time and ties with the Monmouth, but that you go way back to right from your local area. So now let, let's go back to that. And, and just to see what it means to be one of those really first impact, you know, all conference recruits from that area. And now if you look at it, there is a ton of talent filtering from where you call home now up here to West Long Branch. So to kind of be one of the first guys through that pipeline, how did it feel? And also, you know, how much influence you know, can we use you for now to help, uh, you know, keep that recruiting tie strong down in that area? Well, I don't, I don't know how much relevance my name holds now, but uh, <laughs> I would hope you guys can still throw my name around and somebody would say, oh, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's big, man, to, um, to see the younger guys. Well, I'll backtrack. So when I was first getting recruited by Monmouth, I had no idea what the school was or was at. 
Um, so I took a trip up there, did a uh, the camp, got an offer, grateful for that. And it, it was history from there for me. And so every chance I had to talk about Mamas to the local guys in my area, I did it because I knew that that's what gave me an opportunity to play ball and continue doing my passion. Um, and I knew where the program was going. I'd seen you guys being in the NEC. I'd seen the plans for the stadium and all the great stuff. Right? So I had no doubt that I wanted every kid that I knew coming from a, a high school that was, you know, a little unrecruited, maybe smaller in size, to get up to mom, to get that opportunity, get that chance to play ball. So to see guys like, you know, Matt Choi, uh, Kyle Gregory, uh, and a lot of the, the other younger guys that we had come through there, to see them have that opportunity, and not even at my high school, but just the Daquan Grimes, the younger guys, just from Montgomery County itself, to see them be able to come through the program and do great things is, is awesome to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I hope you guys can still use my name. I hope it has some relevance and uh, – I can still use that as I go along. Definitely. So let's transition out of Monmouth. You start a pro career. Um, You bounce around. You have a couple opportunities with some NFL teams. You end up playing a little bit with the, with the XFL. How was that for you? I mean, it's, it's a constant, it's gotta be a switch between jubilation, tons of hard work, but also, you know, there's some hard times in there, and I don't think people really understand that um, when they're, when they're away from it. That it's hard when you're working as hard as you can, and and they come in and say, you know, you know, thanks for your last, you know, t- two months or whatever. But um, you know, we're gonna have to let you know it's a numbers game, it's a business, yada yada yada, all that kind of stuff. Right. I'm sorry. Could you repeat the, the last part of the question? Yeah, I was just saying how you know you bounce around to a couple NFL teams. You play some in the XFL. Uh, what did you kind of take away from that experience? And, and and what were some of the cooler things? But also, you know, let people know it's difficult. You know, you're working as hard as you can. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, it doesn't always work out. And it and shows how hard the transition is from being a top-level, all-conference, Division One player to, to trying to make it on an NFL team. 100%. Yeah. So with my career, I was – a true journeyman to the definition, right? Came from a smaller school in college, didn't really play big talent in terms of the big 1As that a lot of the scouts like to see. Didn't have a huge agent that had a 1,000 guys under him, paying for training, all that good stuff, right? So for me, it was really having to double down on myself, my talent, um, keeping faith in the process, and just understanding that if it'll happen, it'll happen, right? And that's the attitude that I took with it every single day. And so when I was able to get the, the... and with the Cowboys my rookie year, uh, great experience, right? A little bit of a shell shock being next to Jason Witt and Tony Romo in the stretch line, Des Bryant, fucking trash. You know, like seeing that type of stuff is a shell shock, but you kind of have to humble yourself and remind yourself, you know, you're here for a reason. You're not here for fandom. You're here for a job and to, and to live out your dreams. Um, and so to be a guy from a smaller school is definitely an uphill battle. Is full transparency, right? Because like I said, you don't, Coming from Momson from one double A, you typically don't play the Florida State, you don't play the Alabama, you don't play the Clemson, you don't play the Syracuse, like the bigger schools that the NFL teams look for. So you kind of have to, you know, double down on yourself and, and make every rep and every snap that you have on the practice field count. Um, so just bounce around from team to team, you know, not really having, you know, a set foundation and structure in, in terms of where I was at with a single team. It was rough. It was, you know, it was a time where I had to really dig deep and, and focus on what I had to do individually to make sure I was the best player at every certain time and every time I got to step on the field. 
um, because I didn't want to give myself an excuse. I never wanted to say, you know, I got cut because I wasn't, you know, fast enough or strong enough, blah, blah, blah. If I got cut is because I looked myself in the mirror and I said I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing X, Y, Z, what the coaches were asking for. Never tried to give myself an out. On the hindsight, there's always reality to that, right? So, again, coming from a smaller school, you kind of have to bite the bullet and understand that you're going to be placed at the bottom of the totem pole below those guys who might not have been all-conference in college, who might have only played one solid year and had one, you know, maybe a handful of game of, of good film, right? You kind of have to bite that bullet and understand that that's just the reality of the game. <clears throat> Teams, they like to see, you know, guys that have pedigree, guys that came from these bigger schools. So as a smaller school guy, you kind of have to, you know, do that extra step. Be in the film a little bit longer than the average guy. You can be seen by that coach. You can be seen by that scout, right? Stay a little extra on the practice coach. You can be seen by that coach. You seen by that scout. Ask one or two more questions for the special teams coach so that they understand that this guy's really bought in. You got to do smaller things to kind of make yourself stand out when you're coming from, you know, a quote-unquote underdog situation being at a smaller school. Um, so, again, it was a journeyman situation for me. It was, you know – a journey that I would never trade for anything again in the world, right? You know, I was able to learn so much about myself. I was able to network. I was able to grow. I was able to, you know, find different passions throughout the entire process as well. So, you know, all in all, it was it was a, it was a grind. To say the least, it was a full-time job. It was a grind. Um, but at the end of the day, it was still a blessing to be able to have that opportunity to play for multiple teams, meet multiple coaches, uh, multiple great players create multiple friends with the guys I'm so cool with to this day. So all in all, it's a great experience, but it's, it's a grind. And I think something that we've seen and, and something that you can speak to, right? You want to give your dream the shot and you did. And, and you know, you so kind of perfectly put how it is for someone that does go through, you know, the FCS ranks, goes through Monmouth, you know, goes through that situation. So, so now when you see, to, that you were able to do it in the NFL, but you also spent some time in the XFL. Now you see all these, you know, other leagues, the XFL is coming back. You know, right now, you know, former Monmouth quarterback Kenji Bahar, um, right, another Maryland guy, right, is in the USFL now and doing great things. Uh, you know, what would be that advice to that Monmouth player, that FCS player, whether it's Kenji, whether it's someone coming up through the pipeline now, if the NFL dream doesn't work out, that there are other chances to do it. And that mentality that, that you carried, Darnell, from your time, you know, with the Cowboys, with the Steelers, then through your time with the Guardian. So if someone wants to make it their go, right, and they want to make it their career and take maybe some of the other opportunities that some of these other leagues offer, what would be, um, on top of what you already said, what would be kind of your message to them? Stay ready. Right. If your goal and your plan is to continue to play football and that's what you really love to do and you're, you feel like you got more gas in the tank, stay ready. Right. Because just like you mentioned, Eddie, all these leagues are popping up left and right every spring now. So you really never know when your opportunity could come. And when it comes and that agent or that, that scout or that player personnel guy comes knocking on your door, you better be ready to play ball if that's what you want to do. Um, so, you know, just in time back to Kenji and, and Reggie and those guys that are able to still play ball, it's a blessing and it's awesome to be able to see them do that because we, us three, we all know how great they were on the field at Monmouth. We know the talent that they hold and we know how they stack up against these quote-unquote 1A top-tier guys, right? They're neck and neck with every single category, if you ask me. So to see them be able to keep doing that year after year um, and not only go from the NFL but bounce around to the CFL, bounce around to the USFL and to these other spring leagues is awesome to see. And I, and I think that they're a testament of what I just said, of being of staying ready at all times, right? You follow these guys on social media and they continue to put out work. They continue to show what they're doing with their drills. They continue to, to, to show how they're developing, even in the off season, even though they may not be signed. 
So it's awesome to see. And I think that's just my main message is to always stay ready if that's your goal. I feel like, and thankfully Darnell brought it up because that the the Maryland ties are so are so strong. Like we mentioned Kenji, and then he obviously mentioned Reggie and what he's able to do now, you know, in Montreal. You know, I never never thought I'd be a big CFL fan, Greg. Yeah, I think they play Friday night, the Alouettes. I think they play Friday yep. and Kenji plays Saturday. Sun, Sunday night. It's Sunday night. Yep. There you go. So it's 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 kind of back to back. And you know, Darnell And Matt White is punting. Ken, that, that's right. And Matt White, yeah. Yeah, Kenji is playing against Matt White. Which team is Matt White on again? Uh, the Breakers. Oh, New Orleans Breakers. They made the playoffs. Uh, we have been we have been big in the USFL game around here. We have. That's true. And, and why not? So, so Darnell, you brought up some of the names earlier, and you brought up some of the experiences earlier. But I, I, I want to, you know, maybe see is there one conversation, one experience, whether it was a rep that you were getting in practice, that it hit you where you were, whether it was lining up on Jason Witten, or like you said, having trash <laughs> talk to you by Des Bryant. Is there a moment that stands out to you, be it with a coach or a player, that it hit you in your time on your journey that you were like, wow, I, I'm, I made it from, you know, Mammoth to here, and this is happening. Is there one that stands out? Uh, yeah, so I'll say this was... Um... This was my rookie year. I was in Dallas, and it might have been, <clears throat> it might have been like third or fourth day of camp of OTAs, and we were in Oxnard, California, and they had just put out the new stretch lines. And my stretch buddy was Jason Witten, so I'm looking to my left, <laughs> and I see Jason Witten standing right there the whole time. We're doing stretch lines. We're talking. We're, we're chopping it up. Cool dude, man. It's just crazy that at that moment I'm like, I used to really pick this dude on Madden specifically <laughs> and play with him on my all-star team and so freaking phase on the goal line and, and catch him over linebackers left and right so it was that was the moment for me where I was like yep I'm, I'm here right now and I just gotta focus all in make the most of the moment um not be a fan but still be appreciative and understand that where I'm at is a testament to the hard work the dedication and to the people around me that, that helped me get to where I was I just think that's so cool and and you know obviously we all love what we get to do, but Greg, when we hear stories like that, like that puts it in a perspective because I've never seen something like that. That's not on a screen or, right. or anything like that. That's just, it's amazing. It is awesome. And, and it's, it's awesome that we get to have a guy who represents us get that opportunity. And yeah, it makes the program looks good. It makes the university look good. But like it really, I think if you talk to our coaches, it's like, it's kind of what they sell on recruiting and, and, and it's not, we're not just, blowing smoke it is like you you have that opportunity you can have that opportunity to line up against the guy that used to pick in madden and and go against them in in you know in training camp and all that so that's it's just amazing and, and it's so happy that you had that opportunity um to be able to you know do pull that off so um and just and also on top of that greg i mean to cut you off no you're good being able to have miles austin Right, Miles was pivotal. Shout out Miles. He was pivotal yeah. in getting me on to the Cowboys. Right, I went up to Dallas as a uh, undrafted free agent rookie mini camp tryout. So I didn't have an official contract signed before I got up there. Miles got me up there in front of the coaches for that rookie mini camp, and I got signed after that camp because of how I performed. Right, so also being able to just talk to Miles, take his brain, and understand what the coaches look for, what they want out of a young player was also pivotal, and that was also a mind-opening experience for me, just being able to be that close to Miles himself. Even though he went to Monmouth, I never had met Miles until my graduation. 
So just being able to meet Miles and somebody that's been in the league, done what I wanted to do, and accomplish so much in his life, that was also you know a really eye-opening moment for me as well. Yeah, definitely. And Miles is now uh, assistant coach with the New York Jets, and Eddie and I have talked about having him, trying to get him for an afternoon to come in and jump on the podcast. I think that'd be a pretty, um, pretty awesome experience too. So. Uh, yeah, shout out oh, to Miles. Yeah. And, and and you know what? If you talk to guys like Neil, Neil Sterling, I know uh, when Miles was still in the league, he came back in the summertime and, uh, you know, ran drills with those dudes and, and kind of showed them how to line up and give them little professional hints. And, and obviously we know Neil got drafted and had a couple of years in the NFL as well. So, like, that, that's what this Mammoth family is all about. And that's what, you know, coming to a school like Mammoth, I think, does for you. Like, people are invested. People care. And, um I'm sure if, if a D lineman ever picked up the phone and wanted to call you Darnell and said like, Hey, you know, how do I help myself prepare? You, you wouldn't think twice about picking up the phone and, and having a conversation with them. And that's kind of that alumni network that we're looking for. 100% because I think we understand we're, we're from a smaller school, right? So when you understand that aspect, <clears throat> you try to do as much as you can to put other people on and put them in a position to win as well. So well said. Yeah. And, and, Something that's so interesting here, not just the professional opportunities on the field, like Darnell has uh, detailed in, in just great, you know, stories and, and being able to look back, but also now Darnell kind of the, the next chapter, right? So so you said something before that through your playing career, um, really, you had to double down on yourself, right? You had to bet on yourself because, um, you know, of, of how in, in, you know, the way that you came through on the football side. But now let's, let's go to kind of the other side because you're doing really interesting work right now. And, and I feel like with the economy, the way they are, and, and you know, if you're in New Jersey, it, you know, you're going to be really interested to what Darnell's working in because of, you know, the market that we all find ourselves in. But Darnell, if you could, and obviously Greg and I know, but just kind of uh, let the listeners know, just kind of update them what you're working on now. Now and in some of the things that you're doing in your professional life, because, um, you know, as you t- take that transition from on the field to off the field and now the next phase, um, you know, you were so invested at Monmouth in your entire experience as a student athlete now taking that opportunity in- into the professional world. Yeah, for sure. So now I'm a part-time, well, I'm a real estate investor. I'm a full-time real estate investor, full-time nine to five employee for IBM as well. Um, so I was able to, I have the opportunity to read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Might sound really cliche to anybody that's in the real estate. But that book pretty much changed my entire mindset and mentality on money and how to make money and how to pay yourself first and, you know, just change your entire mindset and identity about how you use money as a tool, right? Um, so when I was able to read that while I was playing ball in Canada during my last year, a, a switch literally clicked in my head and said, like, when I'm done with ball, what's next? I can't continue to you know, bounce around from team to team. I'm, I need to be able to have something solid that I can stand on so even when times do get tough, I'm able to still fall back on something that I can still call my own and that will pay me forever. Um, and that out for me was real estate. Um, so that's how I got into real estate. Um, and I obviously used my degree from mom as a software engineering to get into IBM. So me being, you know, my, I guess, second year now with the company, um, able to leverage both sorts of um of income is, is huge for me. And I would encourage anybody, any young player now listening that wants to, you know, diversify or get into something more than football to do that, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be real estate. It can be ceramics. It can be whatever the case is that makes you happy that you find that you can make some, some money off and, and that can provide for you and your family do it. But for me, it's, it's real estate and it's uh, my nine to five with IBM. So the competitive nature you had on the football field, I, I, 
I know real estate only from buying and selling homes. I do not know it from the side that you know it from. So I know you're competitive. Do you need that competitive, you know, drive in that industry? Because it seems to be one that is, you know, one that if you're a self-starter, if you're motivated like yourself, then that's where you'll be able to have some success. Oh yeah. And like your grit and competitiveness is what, that's where I, that's what drives a lot of what I do. That's my very nature. I'm very, you know, to the bones, to the core, very, you know, gritty and competitive with everything. So especially with real estate and in this market, particularly um, with people not really selling their houses because of the housing market and interest rates raising, people don't want to move. We all get that right. So in this market, you really have to be creative and competitive in, in terms of how you structure your deals, you know, how you approach, you know, different sellers and clients um, and then different ways um, and how you just acquire different properties. So, that's pretty much how I, how I bring that mindset to what I'm doing right now just because, you know, again, the market is, is shaky right now. So for me to acquire a property, I have to be creative. I have to be, I have to stand outside the box. I have to, you know, do things and, and, and talk to sellers and agents in a way in which a typical buyer probably wouldn't, which will get me that win. Well, I don't want to, I think the real estate thing is awesome, but like, I don't want to just gloss over the fact that you're using your software engineering degree. Um, what, what are you doing at IBM? Like, what, what do you do with them? Obviously, everybody knows what IBM is. But we, we've seen a, a number of successful um, former players come through software engineering. I think that there's some people who think, oh, football, like, they must be in basket weaving, which we don't even offer at Monmouth. <laughs> but, um, you know, they must be in this or that or, you know, oh, gym teachers, blah, 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 want to be coaches. But, like, we, we have a number, of, you know, of software engineers, Mo Shabana, Agbaya Roja, yourself. Um, how difficult was that program and, and, and managing that with practice and everything else? And, and kind of, you know, what's your passion in that field? Yeah, so with IBM, uh, my title is Federal Business Operations and Pipeline Manager. So what I do is I oversee all 14 accounts that we have with the federal government. And I run our, our weekly reports, our monthly reports, and our yearly reports based on the revenue and signings that we get from every uh, agency within the government. And I get those numbers and I bring them to our account leaders and our account executives. And we pretty much sit down and we have meetings based on you know what they can do to increase their pipeline remove deals from their pipeline that really aren't performing well and things of that nature. Um, but when it comes to Monmouth and when I was at that school um, studying software engineering, I actually went into Monmouth studying uh, computer science, right? It was programming. I didn't know much about it. I just knew I wanted to be an engineer, quote unquote, right? I just wanted to do something that was going to be around troubleshooting and using my hands. So decided I would do uh, CS, computer science, and realized about <laughs> maybe a semester in that that just was not for me. Right. My brain doesn't work in the whole code language world. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I know very low level code right now, but about after my second semester in, um, I transitioned to software engineering, which is pretty much under the same umbrella of IT um, at the grand scheme of things. But it's less coding and more of project management work, more of um, client facing work. So for me, that was a very smooth transition. I like talking to people. I like engaging with clients and helping troubleshoot and figure out problems with their requirements and things of that nature. So for me, that was a no-brainer. And I was able to continue taking maybe two or three more computer science courses um, just based on the work that I had previously done to allow me to get my minor in CS when I graduated. So I continued on that track in the minor track, transitioned into software engineering as my major track, um, and ended up graduating with both, which was awesome. Um, so 
going into that major of CS was like drinking out of a fire hose. Um, but I was somehow able to manage it. Was able to graduate and, and do well in that field. Um, and even when Agby came into the school, we talked for a little bit when he was freshman year. And uh, I was fully transparent with him. I was like, bro, dealing with, dealing with football, dealing with uh, workouts, study hall, your classwork with, with computer science specifically, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But Agby, again, he doubled down and we all, we, we know what type of guy Agby is, right? He's a go-getter. So he made it work for him. He was in study hours damn near every day from what I saw when I was at school. Um, so shout out to him. So, you know, I think football players, we do get that stigma of just being, you know, big dumb docs. But no, nah, there's guys out there that are really um, applying themselves and using their brain for more than just, like Greg said, ceramics and, uh, and basket weaving. <laughs> mm. Well, and especially that using that competitiveness, um, to then drive the next phase, whether it let, and you know, Darnell, like you said, that the, the education path that you took here definitely wasn't, um, quite frankly, I went to Monmouth as an undergrad. I didn't study nearly, I can be honest. I mean, I think I'm qualified to say this nearly the, you know, I was worried about re- editing radio shows. So the fact that you were able to do what you did on the field, do that, take it to where you are now. Um, you make alums like me proud that we have the same degree. And that really is remarkable. Um, but now we've got to talk, you know, we we caught up on the football stuff, caught up on the career stuff, but just because you graduated doesn't mean that you're immune to the fun questions and to yeah. the questions that we <laughs> that we like to ask to kind of get inside um, a little bit more, take the take the listener kind of inside that. So I, I'm going to start here, Darnell. Think back whether it was to your time at Monmouth or to your time um, with the Cowboys, with the Steelers, or with the Guardians. But um, what would be the song or the songs in your you know headset before a game? that would get you fired up? Were you a music guy pregame? Were you not? Did you play your own music? Did you listen to the stadium music? Where were you at there as you got ready to uh, compete back when you played? Oh, yeah, I was a big music guy. I um, Ever since high school, we had this song called Rain by Zero and Trent. We always used to listen to the song in the locker room in high school. Coach would dim the lights, and we all just listened to that song for the whole three minutes and just vibe to it. And then the coach would come in, and we'd pray, and then we'd head out to the field. So ever since college, ever since high school, I listened to that song all throughout my entire college experience before every game. Um, not so much when I got into the NFL, um, but yeah, I'm a big music guy. I like any any sort of music that's going to get you in your feelings. Um, any rap, hip hop, Meek Mill, obviously, um, Drake, any of the, the bigger artists that are pretty mainstream. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a big music guy. I need that to get into my, my headspace, and then before the game, I kind of go quiet. So when I'm get, when I'm getting dressed, headphones out. I'm kind of zeroed in, locked in, put my pads on, put my cleats on, and just focus on the game. So then to further that point, but besides Meek Mill, besides Drake, what would be uh, the the artist that you would want to kind of get you into that, into those feelings that you spoke of to get you ready? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I got to go with Meek Mill. Okay. Yeah, he's a screamer, so like he he is he he's a screamer. So when you hear that before the game, um, that that kind of just fires you up and gets you amped up to go. So to me, that it had to be me. It has to be. All right, my turn. Uh, <laughs> what we're having a barbecue at the Leslie household. Uh-huh. What are you cooking? What what is your specialty? Mm. I know you got to be firing up that grill. Uh, me specifically, I'm not cooking much, <laughs> but <laughs> but we will have hamburgers. We will have you know the kibasa sausage. We will have 
you know, potato salad. We're going to have all the spreads, but me specifically, I might not be behind the grill. You're but, not running uh, the grill. Guys, I, I saw, I figured you as a big grill guy. Uh, no, I'm a big omelet breakfast guy. I make eggs. I make pancakes. I make breakfast food. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> me and Darnell are on the same page there. I'll make sure you have what you need in your drinks. But outside of that, I'm useless. It's important. 100%. All right, let me let me pivot, and we'll, we'll do this last one, and then we'll get you out of there. What's um, what's one movie when it comes on TV you kind of just stop in your tracks and you got to sit down and watch it? you got to watch from, from, from start or wherever you pick it up to, to finish if you're flipping on through the channels and it pops up. Uh, movie. I would say Equalizer. Any of the Equalizers that came out by uh, Denzel, Mm. One or two. I, I love those movies. Um, obviously, Denzel's great actor. He's my favorite actor. So really, any Denzel movie specifically, but Equalizer 1 or 2, I'm, I'm going to watch those movies at the end. So many good Denzel movies. I mean, uh, Training Day. That, right, you can't name one that's tra- not good. Training Day, Man on Fire. Man on Fire is a good one. Yeah. And here's the thing with Denzel movies, which I love is they're always, like, they find a way, it's not just the same movie that's always on, even though The Equalizer and Equalizer 2 are on all the time, and Darnell, <laughs> I'm with you, I can watch those on on loop. But the Denzel catalog makes its way to both, like, cable and, you know, kind of broadcast TV all the same, so sure. I'm with you on that. Like, it's not that they're good and we never see them, they definitely run them. Oh, they run them. Training Day's on all the time. Oh, yeah. Training oh, Day's yeah. on all the time. It's oh, on like yeah. AMC all the time. AMC, like <laughs> FX, it pops into Man on Fires on. Yeah, but uh, Training Day, FX. I don't want edited. Well, yeah, well, I FX, want that on after Showtime. a certain time, it doesn't. That's a good point. After like ten o'clock. Yeah, I, Frank, my son, he's twelve. We watched a little bit of Training Day unedited, and my wife was like, "What are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like, "This is what he's <laughs> growing up." <laughs> I'm like, "What? This is not appropriate." Like Frank, go to bed. Yeah, I'm like, but wait, 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 wait! This is the part where you know they they break into the dope dealer's house and they rob like, and kill him. Yeah, you get yeah. It's awesome. It's just a great movie, and he's a great actor. And uh, the 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 submarine movie is escaping my Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide, excellent movie. Okay. Yep. Yep. The the range is remarkable, is which is what makes actor? Denzel the yeah. He doesn't um, get, but I I like Darnell's selection of Equalizer because he doesn't get the credit as kind of a quasi action star, right? Yeah. In, in some of those, like, because he's so, I don't know, he's just good. Yeah. I feel like really good actors get kind of, they don't get those action physical scenes, but like Crimson Tide, like you said, was a great one. There, there's other ones, even if you go back into the 90s, mm-hmm. there were some really good ones that way. So that was a good one. I that, needed that. That's a great yep. one. Well, Darnell, yep. we, we appreciate, you know, obviously we know how busy you are with working two jobs, like you mentioned, but. Real um, estate mogul. Yeah, exactly. But we appreciate not only the the time, but the perspective that you had. And, you know, as Monmouth makes this transition into the CAA, I think it's so important to, you know, get the vantage point from some of the great players that help Monmouth get to this stage where it is now. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep having tremendous success. And we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you guys both for having me on, Eddie and Greg. You guys have been, you know, pivotal in my career as well, you know, just from your coverage and, you know, just always showing love. So I, I appreciate you both. Thank you. Hey, man, thank you so much. And, and we will definitely see you up at a game up here. Maybe we can get you to Delaware. It's not a little bit less of a drive for you. But uh, we look forward oh, yeah. to seeing you in person again at, at a Mammoth game and really appreciate the time, man. For sure. Anytime. Yep.
so great to catch up with Darnell, who, you know, in his time at Monmouth was, you know, Greg, I, I feel like some of the marquee athletes here, it's funny. They have such great personalities, but they don't really, like, they don't show us until we kind of get to know them. Like, yeah. like Darnell on the field was an absolute terror, but then you meet him off the field and he's just like the nicest person in the world. He's not, he's not bragging about himself. And that's how he's carried himself now Consummate off the field. Teammate. Yeah, it really is just fun to, you know, see what he's doing now and great to see him doing so well. Yeah, and I mean like, so we're friends on social media. I mean, I think we're friends now in general. Uh, but like, I, you know, he's one of those guys that like, you know, just keep in touch with and I watch what he's doing in his professional career at IBM and, and a friend of mine and, and him had had a conversation about maybe working, getting breaking into a different career field in that same area, a different career in that same area. And then, you know, now I know he's, he's big on this um, housing, you know, buying and flipping and then renting houses and all of that. And it's just like, he's not, he's young. He's a young man, you know, he's 28, 27, 28 years old. And he, he just, he's, he's so bright. And he was one of those guys that, Every team has two or three guys that I can take and put into any position, any football team, I mean, and, I'm, and most of our athletes here at Monmouth in general. But Darnell was one of those guys like, oh, you need an interview about this? Okay, great. Oh, did we just lose a game? And I know I need someone who's going to say the right things and represent Monmouth the best way. Darnell's that kid. Uh, so it's just it's a pleasure, and it's probably one of the best parts about this job is watching uh, these young men and women come in as 17 and 18 year olds and then kind of flourish and go and, and just go out there and kick butt in their careers and uh, eventually have families and then come back with their families. It's just, it's awesome. So uh, he's definitely someone that when we were talking about having a guest on, on the podcast, uh, me and you were email, they're texting back and forth. And I said, you know what? I just saw, I think Darnell got a second house that he's flipping and renting. And I think he'd be fun to talk to, especially in this market. So, well, and not only the career um, in, in his degree, right, which was in the School of Science, but now to go on and to do great things in the business world as well. Yeah. So, you know, that's someone that, like, if you're a Monmouth student and, and you kind of view, you know, maybe you want to study this, but you want to get into this after, mm -hmm. his experience is going to be tremendous, whether it's one of the, you know, football student-athletes, student-athletes, or really just anyone in general. And forget about the fact that um, double major. Yeah, which is really hard. <laughs> like. What? Like from a time standpoint, the amount of credits you have to take, like that matters. You got to do experiential education in both. People don't realize how much that is. I they mean, don't realize how much time athlete, student athletes at, at any level, but really at the right. division one level, you know, th that they dedicate to their craft and then school and then double mate. Like, it's just crazy. And then, well, even he's, now he's got two jobs. Like he works at IBM and he does that. So hustle. you almost wonder, does he need that to, he's so used to managing so much crazy time. You almost wonder, does he need to do that to fill all the time? You what know, unbelievable drive. Absolutely. It's always great to talk to him. You know, since the last time that we caught up there, there's been a lot of great things happening around campus. You know, obviously when we spoke last with Aliyah Moore, um, we were getting ready for our golf outing, which went so well that proceed, that was preceded by our hall of fame induction, which went so well. And mm -hmm. that was a great two days, a couple of weeks ago, had some time now to kind of sit back and look at it, you know, and, and not to go too long into it, but what just a great couple of days that was the Friday before with our, uh, our hall of fame induction. And then the, Monday after with the golf outing, just two great days. Yeah, the the Hall of Fame was pretty special because those that group had waited for two years. Um, they were supposed to go in in 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen, so we finally got them in in 2022. And uh, the Touchdown Club was awesome to see that that group, Don Burnerford and Henny Kessler, and unfortunately John had passed. Um, but I'm I'm sure he was you know 
very pleased with with what happened. And then awesome to see Ryan Kinney. Like I hadn't seen him in so long, and he's just the same guy that you remember him being. Um, just awesome to see him and his family and how well he's doing. And uh, he still follows along and obviously talks to Coach McCord and Coach McDonald. Um, and then Bobby Smith is Bobby Smith, right? He, he's so much energy. Uh, he's a great alum, you know, two-sport athlete in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked a lot about his his javelin exploits, and, and that's really why he's in the Hall of Fame. But, like, he wasn't a bad running back. Like, first of all, he won two championships. And he graduated. He was top 10 in rushing yards. Yeah. He, 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 he was like rushing touchdowns. So that was when I was – doing a lot of games for WMCX. I was, I was a student radio guy and, and he and Joe Migliori were a great one, two punch mm-hmm. at running back. Mm-hmm. And Bobby made big plays, Bobby, b- big, big plays for championship teams. Yeah, no, it was, that event was great. And then roll that right over into the most successful uh, go- golf outing we've ever had, uh, you know, raised almost $200,000 uh, for our student athletes for enhancement, which is huge as we go into the colonial athletic association. Uh, we're gonna need, you know, gonna need as much support as ever, more support than ever, uh, and and that was Matita Conk. I couldn't, I could not speak more highly of the way they ran that golf outing oh, or helped us run that golf outing. First class, you know, first obviously class. the university advancement, uh, Amanda Claus and and her group and Luann Russell and her group uh, were were phenomenal in, in that. But Matita uh, Conk just made everything like they. Oh, we didn't realize we were supposed to do this, or there's some miscommunication. We got it. Don't worry about it. We'll jump on it. You know, the food was great. The golfing was great. The just people were over your your MC job was great. You slid in there some tomato and mozzarella. <laughs> uh, but just the, the event was awesome. And and by seven thirty, everybody was happy and leaving the course. And yeah. uh, I can't wait to get back there next year. No, it was it was great. Couldn't agree more and echo your and echo your sentiments. It really was two great mammoth days and. and a lot of people attended both, but it was great that they brought a bunch of different audiences together. Um, we, as we talk in mid June here, we know it's coming up July one, obviously with the announcement to the CAA, but it, it was, you know, officially announced, right. Just maybe over a week ago that, you know, mom, it's going out the way that it has had so many years on the way out. And that's winning another commissioner's cup in the Mac. Unbelievable. Winning the overall winning the men's cup. And it's a it's really a, a near decade of dominance. It was nine years of dominance set in place by Dr. McNeil, continued yep. by Jeff Stapleton. Um, so kudos to the coaches and the student athletes and everyone um, that contributed to another Commissioner's Cup. And, and now it's up for grabs because mom, it's moving on, which means someone else will have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I guess Maris and Fairfield, I would think, are probably going to battle for that one. But we were excited. You know, we were in the MAC for nine years. And we won it seven of the nine. Seven of the eight that they gave away right. a real cup. There was a year in there where uh, they decided that after like five sports played the year of COVID, yes. they were still going to award the cup um, so that a couple other teams could have a ha- have a, have a shot at it, I guess. But I have no doubt in, mind, in our mind, especially with the way women's lacrosse and, and I think uh, like softball was playing that year. Yes. that And d- don't count out outdoor track. Uh, we would have won the overall for that year, too. So in my mind, we've won at seven of the eight. I think we came in second or third our first year. I think we came in, I looked it up, we came in second to Marist, who had dominated the cup prior Prior. to Monmouth entering the league. Right, so for all those Red Fox fans, they can thank us now that we're gone. (laughs) Um, Actually, I think there's some guy on Twitter who kind of goes at us a little bit. That's a Marist uh, swimming dad or something. Um, 
Great. So those are the days where awesome. I just w- wish I could like resign my position and just assassinate people on Twitter. <laughs> There's a lot of people who want me to do that, but you, you don't do the like what certain professional athletes do. You don't go burner account. No, no, no. I don't. I no. I didn't lose my password. No, I wasn't hacked. <laughs> I just look at it and smile, and I kind of move on. And uh, one day I'll be able to to retire, and and when I'm financially secure, and my kids are. I'll, maybe I'll be dead by then, but uh, then I'll be able to have some fun on Twitter. Uh, there's always people asking for it, but those people aren't responsible for my bill. So right, right. There's there's other <laughs> things at play. Right. Um, so much going on, even though there's no sports. You know, the the last thing is kind of a borderline selfish thing for us because we're obviously so intimately involved in it. But I think it's worth mentioning. You, you know, the the group who. And it's very niche and industry specific, but there's a group called the Sports Video Group, and our our friend Brandon Costa, who's a Jersey guy, right? And him and all his crew, they put on awards and they put on, you know, it's a group that does a great job. Yeah, it's a really nice ceremony down in Atlanta. It is, and, and Sports Video Group, Sports Video Group. SPG. So they work with professional teams too, but they have a college division. So the college division of the Sports Video Group um, has a great award ceremony every year. And our team with the Mammoth Digital Network had previously been an eight-time finalist, so an eight-time nominee, if you will, mm-hmm. for an award, which is a great honor because not everyone that applies is a finalist. So right. being a finalist is a great honor in and of itself. But this year. Andrew Kurtz, the Mammoth Digital Network, they broke, broke through. through and they won their first sports video group award. Um, it, it was for outstanding non live non-game production. So what that means in, in layman's terms, it was the open to an ESPN broadcast that we did. And we beat out a bunch of other schools that did it. Yeah, Wisconsin, Miami. A bunch of schools. And it was the first time Mammoth had made them jump from a finalist to a winner. And when I say we all felt immense pride for it, I hope that it was felt by the alums as well. It got some great traction on social media sure. as well. And from our alums, uh, actually, President Leahy just sent a note to Andrew and I this morning early saying congratulations. So, And, and uh, I, I know that we actually have to write a note to the Partons because they're, they're going to be a part of that. And although the room wasn't built yet when we did that open, because that was the Princeton football game, which was in October, um, or at September, one of the two, October, I think, um, they still have like a, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of supporter that has like allowed these things to kind of branch out. And, and Eddie, obviously you and Harmon did the game together. So you have a huge part portion of it. Uh, Keith Egan uh, shot some pregame stuff that we used that, that gave those beauty shots of, of the band walking in and uh, Tony Musket, I think walking up to the stadium. And then uh, of course, Andrew Kurtz and, and he has taken kind of the seed that I had myself and Gary Kowal kind of planted back in 2014 and um, he's just grown that thing into a monster and he's in my office every day asking (laughs) if we can spend money on something new and um, it's not annoying it's awesome it's just you know it's expensive this this stuff is expensive but I know in his mind he watches something on tv and he's like we can do that like you know like we should be doing that like why aren't we doing that and that's the kind of mindset that that Gary and I had and transferred that to, to Drew and, and he's kind of just taken off with it. And I couldn't be more proud of that program. I couldn't be more happy for him. I couldn't be more happy for the students. I mean, we're in a group, they break it down by, um, you know, professionals, 
Yeah, like li- full time professionals. There's like linear networks being awarded, so like ESPN's right. winning awards. Yes. Right. And then there's uh, student, totally student run, where it's soup the nuts, the students do everything. And then there's like this hybrid that we're in, where it's like student staff assistant, staff assisted or student assisted, whatever it is. But the it boils down to that your your crew for a game has to be like ninety three percent students. And uh, most of the time, it's it's Drew and our students. You know, we're Drew and for a fo- football game, it's Drew and, and 12 or 13 students. And um, we really do a, a really, really great job, and he does a great job. And um, that was a huge award. And, and like I said, I couldn't be more proud. And I know Jeff Stapleton was really pumped about it as well. So it, it, it's a great thing to be recognized. And, you know, it, it's a you know more great news coming in, even though the games aren't being played on the field. Still great things, Commissioner's Cups, awards like that. So, uh, you know, just because it's summer and we do get to kind of, you know, unplug at times and, and kind of, you know, take a breath before the next school year, always good to be recognized for that. So we're going to make sure that we have great Hawk Talk conversations coming up over the summer. You know, Greg and I were talking about it, some alums, which is great stories, what they're currently doing, we're going to be able to talk to. And then as we get ready for... Next, you know, fall, be able to ramp it up back up with the coaches and student athletes. But, you know, until then, we'll make sure we keep delivering to you what we need to. And, um, you know, it's so much fun that Greg and I get to do this. So I'm looking forward to the next one, my friend. Yeah, me too. And uh, Athlete of the Year will be out soon. There you go. Yes. Um, This is taping on a Thursday, and I think they'll be released today. If not, it'll be tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled there, and and, um, that'll be on social media, and we'll have some interviews with the winners and – who knows? Maybe we'll even have a winner or two here on this podcast. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, listen to all of our Hawk Talk episodes. If you missed any, they're wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. Follow Eddie on, on Twitter, too, at Eddie on Air. Follow Greg at one and only Greg V. Yeah. Send me emails complaining about this. Podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.